You're listening to Beltway Beef, official commentary from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association's Washington, D.C. office. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Beltway Beef. This is a special episode of Beltway Beef called Tax Talks, where we're going to talk about the intersection of tax policy and family-owned businesses, specifically farms and ranches. Uh, Today, our our first guest on Tax Talks is Paul Niefer, and Paul is a principal with Clifton Larson Allen in Washington State, and Paul has a really diverse experience in agriculture, grew up on a family farm and specializes in tax planning and and secession planning for farmers and ranchers. So, Paul, we are so happy to have you on the podcast today. I'm happy to be joining the podcast, and I guess it sounds like I am the first first guest, so that's even better. Yes, well, we are happy that you could be our first guest, and we talked a little bit about your background and, and specifically your background in agriculture, but could you dive into that a little bit more for us? Yeah, so I, as you mentioned, I grew up on a, a, a wheat farm. Actually, we had cattle for for many years, and after I went to college, became a CPA, and starting a about in 2009, I started a blog called farmcpatoday.com. And, you know, I think that's probably one of the, you know, probably best known uh, agricultural blogs out there that deals with these type of issues. Uh, you know, quite a bit of it deals with tax, not just uh, farm taxes, but other taxes. And so uh, because of that, uh, I, I do a lot of speaking. I'm the chairperson of the AICPA Ag Conference. I, I probably teach uh, maybe 1,500 to 2,000 CPAs and tax preparers across the U.S. each year in farm taxes. And and so I, I, I think I, and I was also part of the Grain Glitch Fix back in 2018 when the tax uh, reform came out with the Section 199A, when they originally had that 20% deduction for cooperatives and it was a gross deduction. I was part of the team that came up with a fix for that. Great. Well, you certainly have a a really interesting background in this area of agriculture and in this area of tax policy. But can you just walk us through kind of that intersection between tax policy and agriculture and specifically some of those longstanding provisions in the tax code like stepped up basis and like kind exchanges? Yeah. And and certainly when, when a farm family is transitioning to the next generation, it's a very capital intensive business. So anytime that there's extra taxes that are incurred on that transfer, it makes it more and more difficult for that family to transfer that ranch to the next generation. So three or four of the items that are key out there is the fact that right now a ranch family can transfer their assets upon death the heirs get a step up in basis. So, and and for a ranch, there's a lot of items that have a zero cost basis. Equipment's been written down to zero. You know, feed, prepaid feed, and so on is is it got a cost basis of zero. But when the person passes away, we get to step it up to whatever it's worth. And then that next generation gets to deduct that all over again. And that helps that next generation be able to afford that 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 farm. Also, the fact that the lifetime exemption amount now is $11.7 million for a person. So if a, a ranch couple could easily be worth 20 to $40 million with some planning and not owe any estate tax. And the reality is a $20 million estate in the farm arena is not a very big estate. Uh, you know, if you're, uh, let's say, you know, somebody in Iowa that's got some uh, cropland and some uh, pasture land, and that's only maybe a thousand acres, 1500 acres of ground. So, and then also 
Another long-standing tool that's available for ranchers and farmers is the ability to sell land, reinvest it into other land, and have that be a a tax-deferred arrangement. They don't owe the tax during lifetime, and if they continue to hold it upon their death, their heirs will get a step-up in basis on that. So that's two of the really um, long-term. Uh, these these are both long-term provisions that are in the tax code that really helps that ranch family be able to transfer assets to the next generation without incurring a large tax liability. So after President Biden announced his American Families Plan, we started hearing like-kind exchange and, and stepped-up basis come up a lot and talking about really using those as pay-fors for a larger infrastructure package. And so can you talk a little bit about what the conversation around that is and, and why getting rid of these longstanding provisions would just be detrimental for family-owned businesses and then specifically for farms and ranches. Yeah, so the the probably the easier provision to discuss is that President Biden would like to cap the amount of gain that a, a rancher or a farmer could defer using 1031s. It would be if you're a single person, it'd be 500,000. If you're a married couple, it'd be a million dollars. Also, in conjunction with that, he has talked about raising the capital gains tax rate to 43.4% on the amount of gain that's over that $1 million of taxable income. So let's say a rancher's got a decent size. Uh, you know, ranch that he like to sell and purchase a ranch closer to his operation. Let's say the gain on that is $2 million. One million of it would be deferred and possibly get a step up. And the other million would then be subject to capital gains tax. And it could be as high as 50, 55%, depending on what state you're in. So that's sort of the easier one to understand, the more difficult one to understand. And, and people use the term eliminate step up in basis. Technically, we're still going to have a step up in basis, but it's at the, as the result of an immediate transfer tax. So if a rancher or a farmer wants to transfer assets to their kids during lifetime or at death, they're potentially going to incur a tax on that transfer. Now, there's a an exemption amount. Each person would have a $1 million exemption plus $250,000 for a personal residence. So it could be as high as $2.5 million for a married couple. But the reality is if you don't have much gain, and this is only on the gain, the appreciation, that personal residence may not be that big of a deal. So what happens for a family farm operation or a ranch is, is if the transfer is to family members, the family's not going to owe that tax immediately. But if it ever ends up the family sells or the family stops farming or stop ranching, then they're going to owe the tax and likely the tax is going to include interest. So, you know, President Biden or you know, Secretary Vilsack came out and said this uh, only affects maybe 2% of farm families. Well, that's because about 98% of their farms in their system only have maybe $50,000 or less of revenues. If you look at the typical ranch family, the typical farm family I deal with, I'm going to say almost 100% of the farm families I deal with are going to be affected by this transfer tax. So you alluded to it a little bit right there, but when the American Families Plan was announced, Biden said there would be specific exemptions for agriculture. Why wouldn't those exemptions be something that we are necessarily excited about or, or really trust that they're going to be helpful for agriculture? Well, you know, part of the reason why we're not excited or, you know, we have concerns is there's already a provision in the code called Section 2032 Cap A 
that sort of deals with transfers of farms to the next generation. And as part of that, it, you know, there's a 10-year requirement. It has to be in place for 10 years. Cousins, nieces, nephews don't qualify. So a lot of farms right now are going to stay in the family, but they aren't going to the kids. They're going to nieces or nephews because they're the ones farming. You know, we're still keeping it in the family. But if they follow that provision, then there's an immediate tax because it's no longer in the family. So really, you know, if it's truly an exemption, great. But our concern is the exemption is not going to be broad enough. My biggest concern is they're going to say as long as it stays in the family, but is that for 10 years? Is it for 20 years? Is it for 30 years? Is it forever? You know, those are the things that we really need to understand because the American Family Plan, the, the green book that President Biden came out with, only has about two sentences that deals with the whole thing. So it's really hard to get very comfortable that we're really excited about these so-called exemptions, because if it's like a lot of the other exemptions, um, it's really not going to be as good as what they're touting. Right. And with the complicated structure and, and really the unique makeup of family owned businesses like farms and ranches, there's really got to be a lot of consideration of you know how that exemption, like you said, might not actually be good for agriculture or work for agriculture in most farm families. Exactly. Exactly. So moving on to two pieces of legislation that we've seen introduced, the STEP Act and the 99.5% Act. Walk us through these. What are some concerns that we have with these proposals? The 99.5% Act would like to drop the lifetime exemption down to $3.5 million. This is really Senator Bernie Sanders' proposal from, from Vermont. Um, that's that, And then also, he would like to really curtail the ability for farm families to transfer assets to the next generation in the form of trust. Uh, right now, you know, a, a farm family could transfer assets in the form of trust and there's no tax owed. Uh, also, uh, you're allowed to each year give away $15,000 per as many people as you want. He would like to curtail that down to only $30,000 per person. Uh, not to any people, but 30,000 total that uh, each person could transfer if it's for trust or the transfer transfer of closely held businesses such as a farm operation. Um, so that's that's really his proposal over on the step act side. And, and, the, and they sort of have some common uh, features here. It, it's the fact that if you have transferred your land into, let's say, a dynasty trust, it's going to be taxed every 25, 30, 35 years. I think the uh, the step back was, I think, 24 years or 27 years, 20 something years, which is very, very quick. And what that really says is if the family is transferred into a trust for the benefit of the farm family every 25 or so years, they're going to have to pretend like they sold all those assets for fair market value, look at their cost basis, and that difference is going to be subject to a capital gains tax, not even a transfer tax. This has already been transferred. This is another transfer tax on top of it, just via the fact that they want to have those assets being taxed every 25 or 30 years. Also, there's the uh, their proposal that says maybe 90 years. I think Biden's proposal was 90 years. I think some of these other ones, it's 30 or 35 or 40 years. Uh, you have to pretend like if you have these dynasty trusts set up, you have to pretend like you're doing another estate every 30 or 40 years. So uh, there's a lot of details in both of these acts that would be very, very detrimental to ranch and farm families. Um, they're going to be facing a significant amount of additional estate and income taxes that are not there now. And again, we've already said 
farming is a very low margin business. And anytime you have to assess extra estate and income taxes, it just makes it very, very difficult for families to keep that farm or ranch in the family. While we've seen some concerning uh, legislation and, and proposals put forth, we've also seen some support for agriculture on the Hill as well. Uh, Senator Bozeman and Congressman Thompson requested Texas A&M do a study on specifically these two proposals. And so can you walk us through uh, what that study said about the impact of these two proposals on family farms and then also the EY study on stepped up basis? Yeah, and, and both of the proposals essentially came out and said the effect on family businesses, including farms and ranches, was going to be substantial. They were discussing, you know, the cost was going to be in billions and billions of dollars each year. I, I think over on the farm and ranch side, the idea that you're going to be able to keep the farm in the uh, family is going to be much more curtailed. And that's essentially what the Texas A&M study came out and said is that, you know, the majority of what we traditionally call farm families, the one where they're earning basically 100% or almost 100% of their income from either being a rancher or a farmer, it's going to cost them, I think, I think the number I remember seeing was about a million dollars of additional tax for that, uh, for that farm family. And certainly I, I can tell you on a lot of my farmers, it's not a million, it's five or 10 or 15 or 20 million of additional tax. With more than 40% of farmland expected to transition in the next two decades, this is obviously something that NCBA has been focused on, but can you talk about it from your perspective? Yes. Uh, you know, from my perspective, I, I think the American public, including uh, most of the people in Congress, really have an incentive for farm uh, farms and ranches to remain in the family. Um, you know, the, 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 if it does not remain in the family, then the alternative is that more and more, quote, you know, the one percenters of the world, you know, as Bernie Sanders would say, are going to come in and start buying up more and more of that farmland. And instead of the farmer being a true farmer, they're essentially going to become a custom operator. And, and I think, um, you know, the proposals that are coming out of President Biden, coming out of some of the members of Congress, are really pushing the land ownership, pushing the farming from being farm families, the typical farm families that we all grew up with, that we all know and, and, and respect, over to, you know, I'm going to call it the corporate side, you know, either it's wealthy individuals or corporate entities are really going to become the farmers and you're going to be pushing out those farm families. And again, I think both Congress and the American public would like to see those farms remain in the farm family, not become part of corporate ownership. And for folks on the Hill, you know, staffers that might be interested in learning more about these issues and, and keeping up to date on the things that are happening in this space, what are some resources that you'd recommend for them to check out? Well, certainly I'm going to go ahead and tout uh, your blog. Uh, again, I started that blog back in 2009. It's farmcpatoday.com. So all one word, farmcpatoday.com. And then starting about three months ago, I started a podcast uh, in conjunction with Top Producer Magazine, which I do a column for Top Producer. And it's called the and then space farm cpa and it's easy to go to apple podcasts and subscribe 
If you don't have Apple, you can go to agweb.com and go ahead and, and, and access the, the podcast there. It comes out every Tuesday. And one of the first uh, things I did on the podcast was I went through the American Families Plan and sort of went through some of those items that uh, would be detrimental to, to farming. And I'll probably, you know, we should hear, I would say here in another month or so, we should get a little bit better idea as to what the proposals really might be. Uh, but those are really two of the uh, of the resources I would certainly recommend everybody. Well, great. We will certainly link your podcast and in your blog in the description below, because those are really great resources for folks. So thank you so much for putting those together and, and for taking the time to help people understand these issues, because they are important to understand because they do affect the next generation of agriculture and the agriculture industry in general. So thank you so much for all your hard work and thanks so much for being on the podcast today. This has been another episode of Beltway Beef. Don't forget to check us out online at policy.ncba.org or catch the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from, including SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts.